0: again, welcome back to the Better Founded Found It podcast. This is Coach McHale, the assistant men's golf coach at Baylor, joined by Coach McGraw. It's uh, just the two of us today, Coach.
1: Just the two of us, but I think we've got a pretty interesting podcast and a, a preview of, uh, of a really big uh, event that we have coming up.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, kind of recap a little bit where we're at. We're in late April. So we are just about to head up to Kansas to play the Big 12 Stroke Play Championship at Prairie Dunes Country Club in Hutchinson, Kansas.
1: Yeah, you're speaking my language right there. That is truly Prairie Dunes is one of my favorite golf courses in the world, if not my favorite. So I always get excited
0: when Prairie Dunes is on the on the schedule, and so I'm really looking forward to this week. Yeah, so I think uh, I have four rounds around the place, and I believe you have about 100-plus. Well, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I told you 100-plus. It's
1: slightly under 100, but counting when I was a kid growing up, my brother playing in the transmiss there, uh, you know, just different times I've gone up there, and then competitively speaking at Oklahoma State and and at Baylor now. I've been around there quite a few rounds, really have a a lot of uh, good memories there, too.
0: So, before we kind of get into the golf course and, you know, some of the memories and details on the golf course, let's just do a quick recap of the Big 12 Conference right now. Yeah, I would say
1: <coughs> when you look at the,
0: the Big 12
1: Conference, year in and year out, it's been one of the strongest conferences in the country. And if you look at what teams make match play at the National Championship every year since 2011, uh, or actually 2009, when they started match play. No conference is close to having as many teams make match play. So yeah. we know it's a great, strong conference. The University of Oklahoma ranked number one currently. And OSU ranked number three. And Texas seven and Texas Tech 17. So no conference has that many teams in the top 17. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and then we're right behind them. <clears throat> we've kind of had you know, some, some nice success at times this year, but we've also had some challenging times. Uh, but I feel like our our team is pretty poised and, and ready to come up here uh, to Kansas and, and have a good week. So uh, we're at 32, I believe. We also have TCU, Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia and Iowa State in the conference. Uh, TCU just won a big tournament uh, out, of, out of Arizona State where we were at, played fantastic. So uh, competition will be tough, but Uh, What what do you see from our team, Coach? I I feel like we're in a pretty good spot right now with our guys.
1: Well, I honestly think this is the first time that we've been this healthy the entire year, counting COVID and some wrist injuries. You just name all the types of things that have happened. None of those are excuses. You know, you have to be ready for anything like that to happen. But it's the first time when I feel like we've got five guys, all healthy, all ready to go. And I think they're all training in a good way. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And we played... Uh, in the last couple of days, we have practiced together. Looks good. Really excited about it. Our five will be uh, Cooper Dossie, who's played, you know, generally the number one man for for a few years at, at Baylor. Uh, Colin Cobert uh, will be number two. Number three will be uh, Ryan Greider. Number four, Johnny Kiefer, and number five, Mark Reppey. So I'm really excited about that. It is the fourth year in a row that we've had uh, in postseason all. Five guys are Texas players. That's yeah. pretty pretty rare.
0: And and we're taking a sub, too, which uh, you can sub in the Big 12 uh, stroke play and also in the postseason for regionals and nationals, and that's Luke Dossie that's on, on the road this week. Right, and
1: actually Luke's playing probably the best golf maybe of his life. He yeah. A couple of tournaments ago at the Aggie Invitational, when he got an opportunity to play, he finished third. Uh, so his game looks really good. And, again, I think all five guys, counting Luke, six guys are – are trending in a good direction. And, you know, coaches feel like that, you know, always feel like something good is going to happen. That's just hope springs eternal for coaches, and that's just what we believe. But I really do believe that. I I think the team has turned the corner and and headed in a good direction.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And I think it's powerful to choose to see good things for your guys as well. I think that kind of transcends itself in your communication and everything else. So So, uh, our practice round is Sunday the 25th. And then the tournament starts on Monday, the 26th, with two rounds that day. The 27th will be one round, and then the 28th will be one round. So it's four rounds of stroke play, and uh, looks like we're going to get some wind up there, too.
1: Well, you know, Prairie Dunes is known for being challenging because of the wind. It was built for wind, and I know when the wind is not blowing, it's it's a very gettable golf course because by modern-day standards, it's not long. Uh, but it has, in my opinion, the greatest green complexes in the United States. I keep on telling people that, and people that haven't seen it say, well, oh, you're kidding me. There's a lot of courses that I have not seen a course that has better green complexes yeah, and, and more interesting green complexes. And green complexes where it's really important to get in the section of the green where the hole is located. It's just amazing and just so much fun.
0: So, So let's get into the intricacies of the golf course then, mm-hmm. because I think this podcast... We're on about episode forty, and uh, your your sister was joking that she th- she thinks she's heard about Prayer Dunes about seven times already <laughs> on the podcast. So we know it's one of your favorites. Let's get into the kind of intricacies of the golf course, uh, a little bit of the specifics, and why it's one of your favorites.
1: Well, I th- Perry Maxwell is one of my favorite golf course designers. He designed Dorna Kills and Ardmore. That was his first, and uh, he's actually buried above the seventh fairway at Dona Kills. So, oh, okay. yeah, he so. Perry Maxwell is just amazing. He's at Cherry Hills in Denver, Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth. He's, he's designed some amazing golf courses in this part of the country. And in 1937, he designed nine holes at Prairie Dunes. And what he did was he, he saw all these sand dunes that were just natural there, just sand dunes. And he figured he could build golf, a golf course, and he built nine holes in, in among those sand dunes. And so he planted vegetation on the sand dunes to hold them in place so the wind wouldn't blow them to and fro. And he built a masterpiece of a golf course. I still say to this day, the second hole, which is only about 150-yard par three, is one of the great par threes I've ever seen or played in my life. And people would look at, how can a 150-yard hole be that great? Well, a lot of short par threes are really, really impressive. And number two, without a doubt, is one of my favorites. The green is so challenging. And it's built right into a dune, and so and then so anyway, it's got a great par three there. Yeah. But uh, then, about seven or eight times, you're you're elevated on the tee shot. You're on a dune, and so you get the wind blowing twenty or thirty miles an hour, and you've got you're on this kind of high place. It's not very easy to fly at your golf ball. You have to think about where you want to go. You have to know the wind direction, and uh, it it makes. Cradle is very exciting because one, you're going to have to work the ball up against the wind a lot, hit mm-hmm. a lot of stingers. Yet you, you can't just throw your ball up in the air. It's got to, you've got to flight it well.
0: Yeah, ball control is massive, and I think we're. Uh, it's predicted to be both south and north winds, and it will completely change the place up. Absolutely, every hole will be changed up. Um, so. We have a guy with tons of experience here. What What are some of the best experiences at Prairie Dunes Coach through the years, um, over the years that you've been here?
1: Well, I remember watching my brother Tim play in the Transmiss when he was thirteen, playing against guys like Gary Coke and Craig Stadler and Ben Crenshaw, a bunch of great players that he was only a thirteen year old kid.
0: Was that Big Twelve Championship too, or what? No, kind of no Transmits. in nineteen seventy three.
1: Okay. And my brother was a really good player, and he played at a high level as a young player but i remember seeing that so that was great as far as my college golf experience at prairie dunes 1998 i'll never forget this because prairie dunes is built on sand dunes so it'll take all the water you want to give it it almost never has puddles it doesn't puddle up and so in 1998 it rained sideways so it's blowing 30 and the rain is coming down all day long, so for 12 hours, 11 hours, we were out on the golf course and that, and I had this visual of Greg Gross, who was the golf coach at the University of Oklahoma at the time, he's talking to one of his players in the, kind of in the area right in front of the clubhouse, so in between one and 10 tee, and he, uh, he's talking to him, and he's got the the umbrella pointed against the wind, the wind's blowing about 30 or 35, and so he's talking to that kid, and he hears some other player on his team call him from the clubhouse. And he turns just sideways, just enough where the wind caught that umbrella <laughs> and it blew it over the clubhouse. It literally took it out of his hands over the clubhouse, and that was one umbrella that, that died that day.
0: <laughs> you guys were playing in that?
1: Oh, it was, yeah, we were, it was crazy. And a guy from the University of Oklahoma, Hunter Haas, won the tournament. And I remember thinking to myself, he, he just won a battle. Because it, it was absolutely impossible to flight your golf ball that day. The wind was blowing. You had you had. Uh, I don't think we had good cart or rain gloves in those days. Yeah. So the clubs were flying out of kids' hands. <laughs> you had you only had one area on the golf course that puddled up, and the rest of it took all that water it was all day long. Wow. It was a rough, rough day. So I remember that wow. pretty
0: well. So. Um... You know, I, I do have a little bit of preview of some of these stories. So I know weather is going to be a, a theme at Prairie Dunes. What, what is uh, your next memory um, from Prairie Dunes? Yeah, weather
1: always plays a little bit of a part. Of it. But in 2000, Charles Howe was in the middle of playing some of the best golf. I think he was 50 under par that spring. And he won the he won like a lot of golf tournaments. He played right. very, very well. But in this tournament, he shot 66-66 on the 36-hole day. He was leading by four or five. Played really, really well. It was relatively calm. It probably didn't blow more than 10 to 12 miles an hour that day. Well, the third round, the final round in those days, it 54 holes in those days. The wind was blowing 35 miles an hour. And so Prairie Dunes at 35 miles an hour, that's a good test. And he shot the most beautiful 68 you've ever seen. He ended up winning by 10 shots. Wow. And that kind of spurred Charles on to he won the Maxwell by six and he ended up winning the national championship by eight. Mm-hmm. So it's like he just dominated the rest of the season, but it started right there. He was already playing well, but that tournament kind of spurred him on, and he uh, he won big time. So he led us to a, a title that day as well.
0: Is that typical for the players that have performed the best over the years, you think? Like Charles Howell is obviously a great ball striker. Is that what it takes around there? or? What do you think you about know, You that? mentioned
1: earlier being able to... Con- ball control is yeah. really important. So I think a ball striker is an advantage. But honestly, a guy that keeps the slopes facing him, mm-hmm. a guy that uh, has really, really creative short game. So you can hit all kinds of shots around these screens. You can putt up the slope. You can bump it into the hill. You can hit a lob shot. But I would like to keep slopes facing me. Mm-hmm. And so a guy that can do that is probably a pretty good ball striker because he knows where to leave his golf ball. But then also has the ability to get the ball up and down. Charles was... He was a really good putter, but he was an incredible ball striker, and so he just kind of had a control of the ball that week, and it was, it was pretty easy. And Edward Lohr uh, finished runner-up, but 10 shots back. So, that oh, was wow. quite, yeah, that was quite a victory for Charles. But, you know, some of the other memories I have, I remember uh, in the odd years, 2007, 2009, 2011, and 2013, and you played in that one in 2013, <laughs> so we're going to talk about that one. But in oh seven, oh nine, and 11 really extreme weather conditions those years. I mean, cold and windy and some years rainy. And, um, you know, we were able to win all three of those championships, but uh, just a battle. It was really, really tough. And and some people would say, well, why do you want to go there if it's... I love tough weather conditions. Mm-hmm. I love it when you know that it's, it's going to take some toughness, some resilience, that where it's not going to be just a free-for-all. where A guy that's really tougher, a guy that's really controlling his mind and the way he's thinking, he's going to be an advantage. Yeah. And all three of those years, it was really tough. But The best team's going to win for sure.
0: You would think so, So
1: most of the time. But let's talk about 2013 because you actually played yeah. the tournament at Baylor and I was at Oklahoma State at the time.
0: Yeah, that's one of the strangest golf tournaments I've ever been a part of. I obviously also love Prairie Dunes. I fell in love with the place during the practice round. Uh, this would have been my sophomore year. So I remember very well, we were staying in a Hall Inn up in Hutchinson, and I was rooming with uh, Filippo Suchetti. So we're an Italian and a Norwegian in Hutchinson. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we get off to kind of a slow start to the tournament, um, and I'm playing with Abraham Anser of uh, University of Oklahoma, and you're playing twosomes in the big 12-stroke play. So it's just me and Abraham. And Ryan Hibble, the OU golf coach, is walking with Abraham that round. And we get to a point um, where the wind is absolutely switching. It blew 20 out of one way, and it switched. And I can't remember which way it switched to. But all of a sudden, it was gusting to 40 out of the... It was the north. (laughs) Out of the north. Trust me, I was on the ninth green. The complete different way. And this kind of escalates over five or ten minutes. And so we're playing hole six. And I think we're playing it straight downwind now for some reason. Anyways, we get up on the green, and... The memory I have is I have a five-footer down the hill, breaking left to right, and the ball cannot lay still. Like, it's shaking. I can't stand still over the ball. I'm going all the way, all over the place. And I back off the putt, like, twice. And when I backed off the second time, Ryan Hibble said, hey, stop. Just back off. We're not playing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because he had my back. Like, it was completely unfair conditions at this point. And go ahead.
1: And well, if I was gonna say from my point of view, we teed off first uh, in the first wave, and you guys were in the wave behind us. So right, I was the right. State. And my, I get to the ninth green, which was our 36th hole with our five men. And it's dead calm. I mean, it was really not blowing. It and was calm for, was for a few calm. minutes, yeah. And then all of a sudden, that wind started blowing out of the north at 40 to 45 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, oh, I've got a guy nine T on eight fairway, eight T and seven green Oh, my gosh. Now, those guys have to get these last two and a half holes in, you know. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, but then I thought about it again. Oh, there's a wave behind us. (laughs) Those guys aren't liking life very much right now. And the truth is, Ryan Hibble was right. I think they waited a little too long to call it for the day. And our guys were able to finish, and we finished every... Uh, all five guys, but it was. We played a little too long in a 50 mile an hour wind with north wind. It was,
0: yeah, we definitely did. And I thought that was cool. You know, a coach from another school having my back said, Hey, you're not hitting that putt, we're standing right here waiting. And uh, they blew it. And then the next day, yeah. we woke up to snow. And uh, my Italian roommate, Filippo, was watching TV shows all day on his computer. <laughs> And yeah they didn't let us play that day basically i came out waited almost 48 hours to hit that five footer so did you make it uh i i think so okay. since i can't remember I, I would think i made it yeah good part. i don't know you probably made it we'll probably did. probably so but that is my memory of yeah previous, so you
1: so. guys had to come out finish that wave and then and we finished just, that round probably yeah didn't didn't repair we just kept yeah. playing and and uh I remember the University of Texas won. They beat us by a shot that day, and it was uh, a good finish. But the weather was reasonable that day. It was cold, yeah. but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. So
0: So then we get past 2013 and that weather stuff, and then we get to probably your best memory from Prairie 2014.
1: Definitely a good memory. I had been let go at Oklahoma State, so I was at Alabama as an assistant. And um, I remember Taylor Gooch told me later, and he told me this in a podcast, that the moment that I got let go, that he said, oh my gosh, it's tough losing our coach, but what's in a, gonna end up happening is we're gonna play them in the national championship next year when he's at Alabama mm-hmm. in the finals. Mm-hmm. And at the first tournament of the season that fall when I was at Alabama, we um, were playing Olympia Fields with Oklahoma State in one of the rounds, and I talked to Ian Davis, who was a player at Oklahoma State, and I said, Ian, I enjoyed walking with you today. Let's make it a date in Prairie Dunes. Let's let's." Play the final round together. It's a date, Coach. We'll do it. And sure enough, it happened. But uh, it's Al-Bett, just crazy how, I mean, how you guys met
0: in the final. It was crazy. Yeah. I
1: I didn't, you know, I I wasn't expecting that as an outcome. And but when I saw we were in one bracket when we made mm-hmm. match play and they were in the other, I thought, I guess that's possible. It could happen now. And uh, we, but the interesting thing about that tournament that most people won't remember is. The tournament was supposed to start on a certain day. It rained the entire day. Could not get on the golf course. Could not get out there. Storms. And so the next day, half of the day was out. So it was a day and a half before the first wave of the tournament got to tee off. And we were in the last wave. So it was... We ended up having to play... They played their round that day, the first wave did. And the following day, that second wave had to play 36 holes.
0: Wow. So you didn't play the first two days?
1: We didn't play... Yes, we did not. Oh, no, wow. We did not. They didn't even get to start until halfway through the, the first wave. Didn't yeah. get to start. So the tournament really didn't start for almost two days after <laughs> it was supposed to start. And so they ended up canceling the fourth round of stroke play and bumped it back to a 54-hole cut to match play. And Because you lost that whole day, so yeah. it was gone. And then they were trying to keep on track for the television that was already contracted. For, for match play. For match what play. What did Alabama finish in stroke play? Third in yeah. stroke play. Um, it. It was, uh, I mean, there were some great teams that, that year. Yes. I remember Stanford was one of the teams that played really well. Oklahoma State played well. But you could see we were in opposite brackets. So I thought, okay, that, that might happen. But I really didn't honestly expect that it would. Yeah. And we ended up being, uh, we beat uh, SMU in the first match. And we beat LSU in the second match. And then, so that got, that sent us to the finals. And Oklahoma State won a really hard-fought battle with Stanford. And Taylor Gooch played Maverick McNeely. In, and they got went to the 21st hole, and Taylor made about a 35 footer to send Oklahoma State to the final. And so now here I'm going to walk the final, you know, match as an assistant coach, but against Alan Bratton, who was my assistant coach all those years. And JC will JC will did actually I'm gonna I'm gonna give Jay a little credit here mm-hmm. because I'd been walking most of the year with Trey Mullinex. and you could tell in stroke play, Trey and I were getting a little flat. It was just. He was probably tired of hearing what I had to say. (laughs) And um, I think maybe I'd just spoken to him too often. And he said, Coach McGraw, I've got an idea. What's that? He said, I think I want to walk with Trey in in match play. I said, okay, great. Who do you want me to walk with? And he said, Robbie Shelton. I said, that's fine with me. And I I was just a cheerleader for Robbie that that week at Prairie Dunes. He got two down in every match. He was two down in every match. And the final match, he played what I consider to be one of the great and earlier in the podcast, we did five best rounds I'd ever seen. Yeah. And it occurred to me after we did number one that I probably have a plus one here. This is the best round I ever saw was uh, was Robbie Shelton playing Zach Olson. And Zach was the player I never got to coach, but I had recruited him to Oklahoma State. And so they, this is during the final. During the final. Oh, yeah. and, and they made 22 threes in that match. 22 threes. <sighs> They the USGA looked at they had never seen a match play event where they had where they had twenty two threes. Zach shot sixty four, great round of golf, and uh, Robbie shot sixty three to beat him there at Prairie Dunes. Won it on eighteen. Won it on eighteen, and JC will always has this because I'm not as excitable as Jay. I'm pretty, yeah. you know, I'm pretty straightforward if you think sure. about it, and you are a pretty calm guy too. Sure, but. Jay said, he looked at it after we got home back to Tuscaloosa. He was watching the replay. And he said, Robbie buries this putt to win the match. And I just put the flag stick in calmly and shook hands with everybody. And <laughs> walked off the green like it was. And, I, and Jay, you know, if you've seen the reaction he had when Trey Molinax made that putt. Yeah. I mean, Jay and I just reacted differently. And I always tell Jay, I said, well, the way I look at it is I expected us to win our match. And you apparently didn't expect to win your match. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, that memory was great. I, uh, but very bittersweet because we were there mm-hmm. in the award ceremony, and and they kind of somehow or another positioned me as far left on the Alabama team, so I was in between Alabama and the Oklahoma State players, and all ten players I had either coached or recruited.
0: And to. here are all the players that you've coached this year at Alabama, and then all the players that you recruited and coached in mm-hmm. the past on your right.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure a coach. I was thinking about it as the award ceremony was going by and I was thinking, I know I'll probably never get to experience something like this again, ever. Yeah, where you're yeah. literally coaching in the finals of the national championship against a team that you coached and recruited all for years and then coaching the current team. And so as much as I loved Alabama winning that day, I, I shed some tears for the Oklahoma state kids because I really was close to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So good memory though. I remember watching it on TV, but, um, Okay, this podcast episode is dropping Monday morning of the 36-hole day. So not a lot of other teams and coaches are going to get all the insight and stuff at, uh, of Prayer Dunes that you have. So you've talked about it's important to have the slopes facing you and the impact of the wind can have out there. Give us one more like tidbit of the course. It could be a specific hole or whatever where you, where you have a little coaching point.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times the angles you take – because of the direction of the wind, mm-hmm. it's like number 13. If you've got a little wind help, you can bomb it down there about 40, 50 yards from the green. But if you've got any wind hurt, you, don't, you do not challenge the bunkers. And so it changes completely kind of the look of the hole and, and it, could be just, uh, it could be just a little bit of wind change. And the wind does change a lot during the day, like you said, that one year where it flipped yeah. completely. If a front comes through, you know so you've got to be careful with that i think that um flighting a golf ball is really important they've got one hole number 15 mm-hmm. you remember number with 15? the shoot right with there the shoot and uh if you can't flight your ball up against the left to right wind or a right to left wind, if you can't work it against that wind but you certainly can't start it way offline you've got to mm-hmm. start it in the middle of that shoot
0: because it's a shoot in crosswind no matter and, what and
1: every time it's gonna yeah. be a crosswind so it's it's one of the more challenging shots because you have to absolutely thread the needle through a shoot of trees and it's going to move your ball unless you can work your ball up against the wind. So that's pretty important. Uh, you, you don't, uh, there, honestly, one thing people don't think about at Prairie Dunes, there's plenty of room for your golf ball mm-hmm. on these fairways and the rough. It's pretty generous, but if you miss on the wind or you let the wind have your golf ball, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to end up in those sand dunes. And, that's that's just sand with vegetation, so the ball does bury. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty challenging situation. I don't think they've burned the rough this year. A lot of times they burn the rough to kind of control it. Uh, but I think it's all pretty healthy this year. So I'm really excited. You know, they had snow there last week, mm-hmm. so which is kind of crazy, but uh but overseeded rye, it's gonna be in perfect shape. The greens to me are some of the best because they're just the complexes are so unusual and unique and you just have to get it in the right spots, and you you can like you can put it off the twelfth green in a heartbeat. And it pins yep. pins on the right side there, just near that false side. And if you just put it a little too far, you're off down the end of the collection. Area. Julie Inkster, who won the women's U.S. Open there, she putted it off that green in 2004 or whenever they had that event there. So just little nuances like that that are kind of interesting, and they can move some tee boxes around. Like mm-hmm. I think on 12, they'll move the tee down one day. Yep. You can drive it on the green. Yeah,
0: I remember them doing that, actually, yeah. 2013. Yeah,
1: you yeah. can drive it on the green. and But again, wind direction means everything. And I think that, uh, like 18, you know, 18, you literally get the right, correct wind. You can drive it right up into the green side bunker or on the green. And and then other days, it's like just fit it in there somehow. Try to flight your six irons and try to make a par. It's, yeah. uh, I watched a kid one time there uh, years and years ago. When wind was blowing about 35. And he missed 10 consecutive greens. So it was the last five round, greens of the morning round and the first five greens of the afternoon. He missed 10 consecutive greens. On seven of those 10 greens, he missed the green with his chip shot. <laughs> so now we're, the kids aren't going to hear this. They've heard none of these stories prior to the tournament. Yeah, And they won't hear it. Uh, yeah,
0: that was crazy. Yeah. No. Cool. Cool. Um, I think we all agree. We're, we're really looking forward to it. If you want to follow, you can find it on Golfstat. I'm sure most of the listeners will uh, will know how to find that. You know, all the conference championships are going on all around the country. And after that, it's regional selection. Mm-hmm. Um, That's May 5th. May, May 5th. 5th. We'll see where we're going. Play in the middle of May. And then hopefully qualify for uh, Nationals out of Greyhawk, which, by the way, we did get to play when we were out there for Arizona State's tournament. Um, so it's kind of fast and furious from here to, to get to the start of the summer for us.
1: It is. And that's the exciting part about it. That's why you work all year long. You want to play in postseason. It's not that the other tournaments aren't important, but this is what people remember. And
0: this is super exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting.
1: But I want to say something else that's pretty exciting that we haven't announced on the podcast or anything. And that is a really special honor for you that you received recently. And that is, uh, this year you're going to serve as the assistant Palmer cup captain really really happy for yeah. you there i know that's just a great experience so. yeah
0: i was really really excited really pumped um so i'm obviously from norway so i'll be representing the international team and working with jc Deakin. he's from canada and he's a, he's the head coach at the university of florida and uh on the women's side there there are a couple of coaches um and the assistant is diana who's a, who's the head coach at maryland who was at baylor when i was at baylor so um, just super excited to get a team together and hopefully provide a, an awesome week for, right. for all those players.
1: And Ryan Black, my former assistant who's now at Louisville, he was the Palmer Cup captain uh, three years ago. He yeah. said it was one of the great experiences of his career. And When I was the, uh, the Palmer Cup captain in 07, uh, without question, one of the best honors of my career. You're going to love this experience. And uh, by the, the way the United States got whipped this last one it just got whipped so you guys are probably the favorites
0: yeah we have a a lot of good women players and men too but especially on the women's side i think is where we made our hay last last time in december but no i'm super honored and um, i'm really really excited to to get to the palmer cup and see how much i can learn and just soak up the experience myself but the most important part will be just to provide an awesome experience for all the players men and women and um yeah it'll be really really exciting yeah that's
1: great uh so that'll be just right after the national championship about a week or so after that that's right and then we get into recruiting (laughs) which is going to be fast and furious (laughs) we just found out this week we're both very excited about this and that is that the ncaa has opened up and taken off the recruiting ban and we opened up june 1st again so i know coaches in the division one level are really excited about getting out and seeing players and Um, So, we're looking forward to that, but what we have between now and then is also very exciting.
0: Yeah, it feels like, um, you know, there's a full season left for us until we get to the summer, but we did want to talk a little bit about the June 1st thing because we know there are a lot of people listening that, um, you know, are involved in junior golf and whatnot, and so we're really excited to get on the road. Uh, We'll be in and around Texas mostly, but we'll also be everywhere and anywhere, so Expect to see us, and, and we'll be wearing the BU logo here and there.
1: Yeah, and one other thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to have some elite camps this summer. So they're not scheduled yet, but that's our goal. You can't have uh, camps unless you can be on the road recruiting as well. So, yeah, yeah, then they're going to open the camps up again this summer. Yeah,
0: we're working through that, but camps will open up. But um, we want you guys to follow our social media accounts. You know, we are both on, on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, your handle coach is Bear Coach McGraw, mine is Mikkel Golf, but also follow Baylor M Golf on both places, because if we do post anything about camps, you'll find it on there. That's so. yeah,
1: great. Well, I'm, uh, like you, excited about this week. Really pumped. Can't wait to get up to Prairie Dunes. It's, again, I'll say it one more time, it's my favorite place in golf. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, well... That'll be it for this, this time. Enjoy this uh, episode here. Hopefully, the listeners get something out of it. Um, follow us on Golfstat and uh, Sick Embarrass, and we'll be back next week, huh? Thanks, Mikhail. Yeah, thanks, Coach.